This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as usual, by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholes24. I'll spell that out. It's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Well, AJ, if All-Star Games are your thing, you had two to choose from this weekend. Did you watch either of the NHL or NFL extravaganzas? I only watched uh, the NFL Pro Bowl in passing. I uh, was doing other things and threw it on the TV. But I did actually uh, tape both the skills competition and the All-Star game so I could watch them in their entirety uh, a little bit later. I really enjoy seeing kind of the unique challenges they put the players through, especially that uh, skills relay, uh, the the one-timers, the pa- uh, puck passing into those tiny little nets. Uh, so I liked all of those aspects uh, and then, you know, the all-star game, I think, is the best out there of any of the, the four major sports. Uh, the three-on-three tournament adds a level of competition between the divisions, plus you've got the million dollars on the line. And, uh, you know, with all that open ice, there's plenty of action, plenty of scoring, which while you might not want to see every single night in the NHL, uh, seeing it with all-stars on display is certainly a welcome uh Welcome show for me. Uh, not sure. How, how did you uh, enjoy the, uh, the weekend, Paul? Well, I confess, I, I watched about 10 minutes of action from the NHL All-Star festivities, just picking away at things. Uh, but I can't sit through that stuff. It's too gimmicky for me. Sure, the skills are on display, and, and it's kind of a fun atmosphere. It looks like a lot of the players are having a lot of fun. And uh, it is a good 
test individual individual skills with some of the things that they do. But that all-star, uh, the hockey, is just at such a low speed and, and uh, with the n- no hitting and so on. It's not really hockey. It's just glorified shinny. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, I got better things to do than watch this, this stuff. And uh, I understand it's an NHL showcase. Get all the players in one town. It's more for the local venue, I think, than, than in terms of visual extravaganza for the fans. The more intriguing th- stuff around the the presentation, I think, is the interviews that that are conducted with uh, Gary Bettman and 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 uh, managers and so on who come on TV and and uh, share their views. Uh, that's more interesting to me in this showcase. Get everybody in one place and pick away at at uh, their brains and see what's on their minds and what's topical off the ice is is almost more important as we get ready for the trade deadline. So that those are my thoughts on it. But uh, hopefully the locals at least enjoyed the All Star Game. In any case, uh, I'll flip it to you for a reminder to our listeners. Yeah, as always, before we get on with the show, I wanted to remind everybody out there that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us, and we'll try and answer your questions either during the week or in one of our uh, Tuesday or Thursday shows. Uh, You can follow me, as Paul mentioned, at AJScholes24. You can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, and we encourage everybody who listens to keep those thoughts coming. We get questions every week, and we enjoy the fact that we can respond and interact with some of our listeners. And uh, AJ and I don't always agree, we're finding out, and that's kind of fun, too. Uh, We've done a 30-team sweep with a lot of different topics uh, all season long. Today, we're going to first consider a couple of recent trades, and then we're going to look at each team to determine if they're sellers or buyers for the trade deadline, which is about a month away. And that's going to be our focus for the next few shows, getting people ready for what's going to happen at the trade deadline. In the case of buyers, AJ, we'll discuss the needs of each of these clubs as we near the trade deadline too. And uh, for the sellers, maybe what they can offer to offer up in terms of trades. So before we get into that NHL trade talk, I'd like to uh, exchange our views on trade strategies for listeners who are in season-long leagues, AJ, with a hold over our dynasty component in in those leagues. For my part, it's time for the also-rans, teams that are in the bottom half of the standings in those season-long leagues, to consider trading pieces that are of little long-term value to you. I would suggest dealing from strengths. You've got to figure out, are you stronger on offense or on defense or in goal? and trade some of those excesses to plug in some of those gaps. And understanding the needs of contending teams in your leagues is, is the way to crea- create the best bidding war for your assets. That's, that's the way I would enter into trade situations. I mean, in our THL league, I'm, I'm in first place in the darn thing. And I don't really, I, honestly, I, I don't have too many weaknesses on my roster. Uh, that's why I'm so far ahead, luckily for me. But I look at other teams in there, and they may be loaded at defense so, and weak at forward. So naturally, they're going to try and te- deal from their strengths to plug those weaknesses. That's, that's the long and short of it for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you really have to be aware of, of what kind of league you're in. I mean, obviously, if you're in a redraft league, it's about doing whatever you can take to win that season. You don't really have to think about the long-term ramifications of, of making a deal. So if you are strong on defense, you want to plug holes at forward, you don't really have to think you know, long-term about what this could do in future seasons. Whereas if you are in those dynasty leagues, maybe it's worth it to be in the bottom half of the league to hold on to some of those, uh, you know, higher, better pieces, uh, and consider for the future. So it really depends on, on what you're doing there. Obviously in, in, uh, dynasty leagues, you have to consider contracts as well. Uh, and so there's a lot that goes into that. And I really look at those dynasty leagues as being 
very similar to running an actual you know franchise you have to think long term you can't just think here and now um but if you're on the cusp it might be worth it to to mortgage uh the future a little bit if you can win now as well so a lot goes into those decisions um but it all comes down to as you mentioned paul what are your strengths and and what are you playing for is it win now is it win in the future or are you just in a redraft league and, and it's all about winning this year? Exactly. And and we hope that some of our listeners send some of their trade proposals to us so we can evaluate them and uh, share our opinions along the way. We'll be happy to do that. There were a couple of deals in the NHL last week to kick things off in terms of this trade season that we hope will be a busy one in the NHL. The Montreal Canadiens received Nikita Nesterov from Tampa. Oddly, this was an Atlantic Division trade. Don't see too many teams trading in the division. But this was an exchange for uh, defenseman Jonathan Racine and a sixth-round pick. Clearly, the the... Tampa Club is a, t- a team that is going to have some cap issues, and we'll get into that a little bit later. They have a number of players who are either restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents again this summer. And uh, and uh, I got to say, Steve Eisenman's navigated his way re- through this expertly in the first uh, round last year. I want, he's going to have a little more trouble this year, I think. So, what do you think about this trade between Tampa and Montreal, AJ? I I like it for both sides. I I think ultimately Montreal is going to be the slight winner in this. Uh, You know, Nikita Nesterov's a a solid defenseman, and they've been really banged up on their blue line. They want to hold on to that lead in the Atlantic Division. So this kind of uh, plugs the gap for them. So I I do think ultimately they'll probably win out on this. And that's not a knock on on Racine uh, and his talent. But, you know, Montreal is, as I highlighted earlier, they're in a win-now position. They need to kind of plug that hole. Um, so while I think it's going to be good for both sides, I think if I had to pick a slight winner uh, for this trade, I give the edge to Montreal. And I agree with you. Uh, it's typical of a number of deals that we're going to see in terms of the haves and have-nots. The haves are going to want to bolster their their blue lines and their offenses where they can because it's a war of attrition in a four-round playoff if teams go all the way. And you need uh, depth at uh, the key positions. And Montreal is certainly added to their depth on the defensive side. A second trade involving an, Adam, uh, an Atlantic Division team was uh, seen when Ottawa picked up winger Tommy Wingles from San Jose in exchange for Zach Sortini, Buddy Robinson, and a seventh-round pick in the upcoming 2017 draft as well. Now, here, Ottawa picks up uh, a pretty useful forward, I think, and they gave San Jose some toughness. I'm guessing that the, sh- the Sharks are trying to insulate some of their young talent on their farm team, and, and that's more or less what's happening here AJ in my opinion yeah I would agree Paul I I do think San Jose is going to come out on top of this one and and I like Tommy Wingles I uh, appreciate what he can offer on the ice obviously Ottawa he's got uh, a goal already in in his one appearance Uh, but I just don't think he's worth uh, the price that they paid there I think it was just a little bit too steep so I think San Jose comes out on top in this one uh, you know, the um, losing some of your prospects for a team that I'm not sure the Senators are quite in the win now category. Certainly they're a playoff team, but uh, this seems like a little bit too high of a price. Maybe if you had one of those guys, not both in that seventh round pick, uh, it might be a better deal. But both guys and a seventh round pick for a team that will probably make the playoffs but is unlikely to make a deep run just seems like too much to me yeah i agree i think that ottawa has some some guys at the uh, tail end or nearing the tail end of their career with uh, a lot of plus 30s in terms of the age 
category on that club and, and they're not a frontline team they're a team that's going to make the playoffs but nobody's scared of Ottawa and so kind of a middling team dealing resources I don't like it either to be honest with you AJ uh, in any case that gives us a taste for what uh, teams are looking at in the early going we expect things to ramp up and we'll cover all the deals in subsequent weeks but for now let's go through the 30 clubs to determine who's buying and who's selling from our perspective and another good tool that we're going to lean on here is the, uh, a website we'll give it a plug here it's called capfriendly.com where you can get the salary cap situations of all 30 teams in the league and uh, we we think that they do a pretty good job over there to give us a sense for what the salary situation is for each of the rosters we'll try and touch on that as we go through these clubs Uh, where where i think we can go is to highlight players who are testing likely to test free agency as pending ufas on selling clubs as a starting point on that side and on the buyer side we'll see where where the depth is and uh, see what they might be able to offer up in return example number one is in anaheim where they're currently third in the pacific division i classify them as buyers aj this is a team for me that needs offensive depth beyond the big uh, big uh, big names we know on that team uh, they have a surplus on the blue line and i think they got to try and look to uh, deal from that area of strength in my opinion yeah i think that'll a lot of that'll depend on getting healthy too i mean clayton stoner and simone Dupre's are both still on ir but once they get those guys back I do think uh, some of their their talent on the blue line becomes a little bit of ex, uh, expendable. I look for them to target kind of a third line player, as you mentioned, Paul, a little bit of a depth guy. Their their top two lines are pretty solid, pretty consistent. Um, but once you get outside of that, it, it definitely drops off. Although they could, rather than trading away uh, some of their talent, they could call up a guy like Corey Tropp instead from the AHL who's averaging points per game with uh, the San Diego Gulls. So uh, they do have some options to call up some some scores, but whether or not those guys can adjust uh, quickly enough, especially this late in the season, uh, could be kind of a tall task for them. So it's possible that they decide to bring somebody in instead. And they're going to be strapped cap-wise too because uh, thanks to a long-term injury, salary uh, de- deduction of 3.2 million there uh, with clayton stoner they're allowed to hang around right at the salary cap right now and they really have to trade salary for salary at the deadline so it's going to be tricky for them to upgrade there uh, it's going to be a small piece one way or another that, that's the best i think they can do owing to that tough cap situation let's go over to arizona where we see the seventh place team in the pacific division they're clearly sellers. I look at some of the older guys on this team, uh, Radim Verbata, Martin Hansel, and Shane Doan as tradable pieces to give them some cap space and tr- see if they can get something for those veterans. Doan will be the toughest guy to cut because he's been such a long time part of that organization. But there are little whispers that say that he might be amenable to finally going to a contender and taking a shot at, at a good cup run. He's not going to see it in Arizona. Yeah, and we see that every year. Uh, older guys that have spent careers in one town uh, finally heading other places. I mean, Jerome McGinley is an example. Uh, Yager, for the longest time, was uh, a pretty good example. He only played on a handful of clubs before uh, reaching his uh, elder statesman status. And I think you're, you're dead on with Shane Doan there. You know, he's 40 years old. He does have a no-movement clause, so that uh, could kind of decrease his value as he gets a, a decision as to where he might want to go. But as you mentioned, uh, he is a restricted free agent next season, so they would save a little bit of cap. And yeah, as you mentioned, Paul, all the guys 
you know, both uh, Hansel and Verbrata are both going to be free agents after the year. They've got a ton of guys that would fall into this category. Um, so I think this is a team that needs pieces. They need draft picks and prospects. So I think everything's at least on the table and open for discussion. Yeah, I mean, they've got four guys among the forwards that are UFAs, but even some of their RFAs, you wonder, they've given Peter Holland a look, and, and other teams have seen what Holland could do with a little bit of extra ice time. He's played on the power play. That might be a guy that they could trade to a team that's looking at him as a future possibility, too. So it's the auditions that they're able to give some of these guys that's also going to enhance their trade possibilities possibilities they they have to make room for the likes of Max Stomey who's out with injury issues uh, and some of the other younger guys Anthony Duclair who's in the minors uh, they, they got to give these guys a chance to play and and get their feet wet for real in frontline roles and and getting rid of some of the 30 plus guys is, is going to go hand in hand with that what about the Boston Bruins? This is a team for me that's on the fence in terms of being a buyer or seller. I'm not really sure which way they're going to go, in my opinion. Uh, this an aging core with the, the dynamic duo at center and Krejci and Bergeron, who's led this team offensively. They're getting a little long in the tooth. And the same thing on defense with Chara. Certainly they have uh, Dominic Moore and John Michael Lyles as u- upcoming uh, UFAs who are more expendable and e- easy guys for them to trade if, if there's interest. Lyles particularly should garner attention as a defenseman. That's the way I see these guys. I see them more being sellers than anything else if I can lean in one direction. Uh, for me, I, I would actually lean the other way. And I think it is because what you mentioned with that aging core, um, I think they need to add a few more pieces, uh, primarily blue line scoring uh, if they want to stay in the hunt. Tory Krug has more points than the next three defensemen combined. Um, and they have a handful of young forwards down in Providence that I think could uh, be expendable pieces if they want to capitalize on, on that aging core now. So uh, I think it's it's kind of a now or nothing. As you mentioned, these guys are, are getting, uh, to use your parlance, long in the tooth. And I think they need to buy in order to capitalize on those guys on the tail end of their career. See, that's why it's probably better to put us, put it on the fence for me because I'm, I, I could go either way too. But I, I really think that they... They might not want to mortgage that future. Teams teams are getting clobbered for making that call and going a little too long with with the aging core. So we've seen it in many cities. I've seen it here in Toronto many times, for instance, and I just don't like that strategy of hanging on too long. I'd rather cut bait earlier. I'm, I guess I'm a little... Uh, puck struck if i can use that word <laughs> uh, worried about that aspect this team in terms of cap issues they've got some rfas restricted free agents that need to be signed uh, david pasternak and ryan spooner foremost among them in the offseason that's going to cost them some money and, and they're going to have to try and get rid of some of the older guys to, to make room for those guys so whether they deal with the issue of the aging club now or later it's coming and and that's why i put them on the fence but your call is a good one too uh, in terms of win- going for it now. What about the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, AJ, I got them listed as sellers in the Atlantic Division. They're seventh right now. Uh, they have lots of pending UFAs who could be moved to contenders, and uh, I'll get through those names too, but uh, how do you see this team? Well, they're still rebuilding around Jack Eichel, and I think picks are going to be desirable uh, prospects as well, more than some of the, the older guys around there. I think Evander Kane's time may finally be up there in buffalo his off-ice issues are just uh, too much to kind of deal with and he's got two years left so i I don't think he's 
he's not locked in long term and that won't scare other teams away and then of the uh, guys that you're going to highlight here i think brian gianta is one unrestricted free agent who's definitely uh you know he's 38 gonna want to be on a contender at this point and uh better to get something from him now then hold on to him for next season and watch him walk on his own. I agree with you. Some of the names that could be moving uh, are defenseman Cody Franz, and he's in the last year of a contract with a cap hit of $3.3 million, and uh, they're not going to re-up him at that salary as a, a third-pairing defenseman. But another team might find him useful as a depth piece, and he won't cost that much for the portion of the year that remains on the salary cap side of things. So that's the guy on defense. And right up front, Brian Gianta and Cody, Cody McCormack is out of the lineup, but Gianta certainly is a guy who might attract some interest as a as a good quality veteran who you can plug in on a third or fourth line he can help on the power play or shorthanded so I see some value there in terms of peddling him he's 38 years old certainly doesn't fit into the rebuild in Buffalo and they have some uh, RFAs that they're going to need to resign Marcus Foligno showed me enough and Zemgis Gergensen's a guy that they like uh, Johan Larson, you can add to that list. So that's three younger legs that they're going to have to re-sign. And then they got a concern in goal with Robin Leonard and his situation. He's going to need to be re-signed at the end of this season too. So they need to shed some salary in Buffalo to continue this rebuild. And they've got some pieces that might move. Calgary is fourth place in the Pacific Division. I've got them on the fence, AJ. This is a team that's got a lot of money, uh, contract issues in the offseason. They've got 11 free agents pending, including both goalies. A lot of veterans on defense that could be moved for help for forward help elsewhere Uh, i'm saying this team is on the fence and i wonder which way they can go because they've got a cap issues uh, in the offing yeah they're in a tough spot i mean they're 10 points off uh out of uh, the top three in the pacific but they're still a wild card team right now uh, and you don't necessarily want to mortgage the future by buying but you also don't want to just quit on a postseason team uh, which they are at this standing and as you mentioned, I think the biggest question is what they want to do in goal. You've got both Brian Elliott and Chad Johnson, who have uh, at times performed uh, well and look like starting netminders, but they're both going to be free agents next season. So I think at some point they're going to have to pull the trigger on one, whether if they decide to be sellers, they might decide to, to get rid of the whichever one they don't want to keep for next year. Um, and then another guy, I think, could be uh, on the way out is Christopher Stieg. They got him for a steal this season at just uh, 950000 on the year, but he's a free agent at the end of the season. He could be a solid uh, depth piece on, on a team that's in. So if they go the selling route, uh, that's what they might decide to do. If they're going to buy, they need some additional forward depth, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. they got to plug in up front. Their defense has been the core of this team for a few years. And one of the guys back there at the back end is playing out the string on a 5.25 million cap hit. That's Dennis Weidman, who's a pending UFA at 33 years of age. I think he has seen the last of Calgary, and they have him uh, at the end of the season. And I wonder if they're going to try and peddle him at the deadline. Could be a useful guy on the power play or for depth on one of the contending t- teams that thinks they can go far that would be a really nice ad and a a guy that should be desirable as well Uh, what about Carolina this team is in seventh place in the Metropolitan Division they're sellers definitely in my opinion and one of the things that I look for over the remaining part of the schedule is is to see if they can rehab Eddie Lack in goal over the remaining portion so that they can showcase this guy maybe deal him uh, at the deadline too is a possibility if he's healthier sooner rather than later they've got a number of useful vets among pending UFAs I count four of them and so I put them in the seller category for sure yeah I would absolutely agree you know the 
the problem they're going to have is the pieces that other teams are going to want are their younger guys that they're certainly not going to want to part with. I mean, Sebastian Aho, uh, Timo Teravainen, and Brock McGinn have all performed admirably. So those are the guys that other teams are going to want to target. But those are all your young, talented pieces for the future. So while they will, I think, be sellers, it's a question of what other teams are even going to be willing to want. I considered putting Jordan, uh, Jordan Stahl as one of their sellers, but he's got a huge contract left, $6 million a year through the 2022-23 season. So I'm not sure anybody wants to pick that up. (laughs) So, I, you know, it leads me towards towards goal. And while I don't expect them to to switch from Ward to Locke, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, Locke's a little bit younger, a little bit cheaper, not by much, but, you know, every dollar counts. So is it time for Carolina to part with Cam Ward? Uh, it's it would be a, a significant departure. I don't expect it, um, but if they're looking to get some serious uh, return on their investment, that might be the option that they take. Yeah, it could be, and they might hang on to both just because of the draft situation with Las Vegas as well. So they're really hamstrung in goal. But you look up, look at the rest of the roster. As I said, some of the UFAs that might be of interest. Brian Bickles on the IR situation. Not sure about his health status as the end of the season is approaching. But if he's healthier, he's a guy with some playoff pedigree as well. Victor Stahlberg is a is a cheap option at on the wing, and and Jay McClement, a very useful guy in, in the penalty kill situation and fourth line role. Those are UFAs as well. Derek Ryan is a low end centerpiece who's also available up front. And on defense, they've got uh, Ron Hainsey, a veteran defenseman, 35 years of age, playing out a UFA situation there as well he's got a a, a modified no trade situation so he's got a limited number of teams that he'd be willing to go for but i think they've got to explore all these possibilities this is a team that's at the bottom end of the salary cap they've got lots of space they can take on a bad salary and make maybe get a couple of picks in 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 regard for that possibility that they offer uh, some of the teams at the other end who are in the playoff hunt they're going to be looking to shed some play uh, some salary if they can on a, a useless piece and maybe get get them some room for a a player they can add to so Carolina's cap situation has a lot of flexibility in it and they could be a big player in the trade deadline if they choose to go that route Chicago Blackhawks they're second in the central division guess what folks they're buyers again uh, they're they're limited in terms of options here because of their cap situation too and uh, I I gotta say also in looking at their cap situation they paid big money to lock up Taves and Kane but two worst contracts to me are Marion Hossa and and uh, Brent Seabrook uh, on defense there they've paid big money for both these guys they're on the books for a long time I'm not sure they're going to get the return from those pieces that they will from Taves and Kane yeah I mean although the biggest question for me is how long this team can continue to be a buyer I mean it's a good position to be in to always be in the playoffs but you know perhaps unsurprisingly uh, AHL Rockford is dead last in the minor league standings because they don't have any talent down there. They've sent it away uh, to win, which, you know, it's hard to argue against. But I think a time's going to come here uh, in the future where they're not going to be able to continue to sell off pieces. Now, I do think what they're looking for is going to be a top six forward that will allow them to bump Ryan Hartman down a little bit. I feel like he's better suited for a third-line role, and that will also allow them to keep Marion Hossa, who's kind of fallen to a third-line role as well. I will throw this out there, uh, just looking at the the salary cap situation. Scott Darling is an unrestricted free agent after the season. There's a good chance that he is going to be on the Vegas radar here. He's performed well when called uh, in for Corey Crawford, 
And with that looming, they could decide to move him solely because if they let, you know, Vegas come in and just draft him, they lose him anyway. Plus, he might be looking for a starting job next season as an unrestricted free agent. They're certainly not going to, you know, swap out Corey Crawford. He's their starter for the future. Uh, So Scott Darling could be someone that they try and sell to at least get something uh, rather than losing him for nothing. Yeah, that's a great call. He's going to be gone at the end of the reg- the season, so they, they have to trade him now if they want to get anything for him. As a UFA, they're not going to get a thing, and Las Vegas can pick him up off the UFA uh, listing, but they'll have to battle. I guess they'd have to get the contract some contract rights involved there too i'm not sure how that's going to work out but uh uh, on the rest of the roster brian campbell is a piece that that they need he's a 1.5 million dollars but uh that's that's a ufa that's not coming back next year Uh, andrew desjard andrew desjard and jordan tutu they're kind of low-end options who are also pending ufas and richard panic a guy who's given them a good return for eight hundred and seventy five thousand dollars salary is a guy that they're going to try want to try and fit back into their lineup but as we mentioned, they're really pressed against the cap. <clears throat> and I noticed that while Kane and Taves are on the books for $10.5 million, you know, we're, they're getting a good return for these guys. But it's the likes of Hosa, who's on the books for a 5.275 cap hit, playing third-line role, as you said right now. You don't want to spend that kind of money on a third-line player. And Brent Seabrook's a guy who's, who's not uh, living up to that $6.875 million cap hit that's on the books till 2023. And at 31 years of age, you've got to think this guy's going to be in decline. He's got a lot of travel miles on him. And uh, Duncan he- Keith is a little older, but he's had the, a, a very nice season. His cap hit's about a million three lower than Seabrook. So they're paying for the success that the... the the core guys have brought them uh, but like you said the day of reckoning is coming in Chicago and I'm not sure how much wiggle room they've got at the trade line deadline coming up what about Colorado AJ well if it's not nailed to the floor with this team I think they need to sell it (laughs) off Um, you know it's just looking so bad Uh, a couple guys that they might uh, get some really good value out of are going to be uh, Matt Duchesne and Gabriel Landeskog. They're both younger pieces, so I think that's appealing. Their contracts aren't outrageous. I mean, Landeskog is about $5.5 million a year, and Duchesne's at $6 million a year. So I think that's other, uh, something other teams would be willing to um, take on, although in the type cap situation, you know, Colorado may have to consider holding on to, to some of that salary. And I just don't think... Uh, they'll be willing to part with Nathan McKinnon, who would be a, a huge piece, but at only 21, he's the kind of guy I think at this point you build around. And while I think they tried to do that with Duchesne and Landeskog, I think uh, the team has really fallen off from where it should be. And so ultimately, I think those two guys could be valuable pieces to other teams in order to get them some draft picks and prospects. Yeah, that would be teams that have a lot of cap space that would be willing to take on Landeskog and again, and, uh, and uh, Duchesne, as you mentioned, I don't think McKinnon's going anywhere at that p- price and that length of contract. But I don't think any of the three guys should go anywhere, to be honest with you. That's the core of this team. And uh, they got big money tied up in them. If somebody's going to help them get rid of one of those salaries, maybe you'd deal one of them. But I'd like to see them keep those three and build around the rest of the roster. They're going to have some money freed up uh, with the departure of uh, retirement, probably of of Ginla, who who might be a, a trade candidate, he's got a limited move move contract uh, at the as the deadline approaches, but he's playing out a 5.3 million cap hit. Uh, also, John Mitchell is a useful guy as a fourth line forward. 
typical of a lot of guys that we see moving at the deadline. That's going to shed a million eight no matter what because he's coming off as a UFA as well. And then Rene Borks, another guy on the IR whose contract's winding up for $650,000. And on defense, Feder Tutin is a pending UFA. So they got a, quite a bit of money that's coming off the cap. And I'd like to see them use that money to uh, restructure this team around that, that trio of young guys. I don't want to give up on them just yet. Columbus Blue Jackets, this is a team that's loaded this year, in my opinion. I see them as a buyer, if only to bolster the backup goalie situation. They've, they've really relied on their number one guy. They're, there's no serious contract issues on this roster, and they could use another offensive D-man, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. There, there's really not much this team needs. I, I think ultimately, if they buy, it could come down to you know an injury-related purchase uh, if one of their... Uh, guys happens to get banged up right before the deadline i just think if you don't have to give up young talent it's not worth it to force it they've got a solid team right now uh and you know i'll throw another nod to the ahl the their club the uh, ahl cleveland are the uh, defending calder cup champions of the the minors there so they've got a good set of guys in the farm system they've got a good set of guys on this roster and i just don't see them uh, having to buy unless an injury comes up. So while I agree they're in the buying category, I just don't know what exactly they even need at this point. Yeah, that's a strong team for sure. Dallas, on the other hand, a team as I think is on the fence, if only because they've got seven pending UFAs among a total of 13 pending free agents. That includes that re- restricted free agents. I see big trouble on, on the horizon. We've talked about their goalie issues all season long. I wonder if they can trade one at the deadline. That might be the best move they can do in terms of being a seller. Uh, what are your views? Well, I think it really comes down to what the the organization ultimately decides to do. I I agree with the fence call, Paul. I think if they're going to sell, they might look at selling uh, guys like Patrick Sharp, uh, uh, Hoodler, and Eves, all of which will be unrestricted free agents at the end of the season, older guys that might uh, want to go to a winner. If they decide to buy, then I think they absolutely need to bring in a goaltender uh, to replace uh, either one of those two guys. Honestly, if I'm them, I cut bait on those two. I buy a goaltender and just uh, wave one of the other two uh, just to get them out of there because I don't think either one of those guys is the long-term answer. So it really depends on what they want to do. I think the next month will be very telling as far as what their win-loss record is in February as to uh, which direction they head. Uh, Detroit's another team probably in that same boat. They're last in the Atlantic Division. We haven't been able to say that forever. Uh, They're definitely sellers, in my opinion. They they have spent a lot of money here, and the long-term injury reserve has been a big factor there that's given them that flexibility. They'd love to extend that playoff streak, but they're in tough. I think they got to take a serious look at... at, uh, letting a couple of guys go maybe Tatar or Yurko in terms of some of the younger guys are are on in that bubble and uh, they might have some other salary concerns that they might like to shed as well AJ your thoughts there well I think their top target's going to be Vanek uh, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season his cap hits only 2.6 million it's it's pretty manageable and with 31 points he's second best on the wings so it's really hard to see them keeping this guy uh, there'll definitely be teams out there that want him and are willing to pay a, a one-year rental price for him. 
Yeah, good call there. I think this is a team that's kind of hamstrung by the salary cap situation to do much buying on the other side of it. Edmonton, second in the Pacific. It's been a long time since they've been buyers, but that's where I think they are. They need to upgrade that third line offensively, I think, and uh, could use some help on the blue line as well. Yeah, blue line scoring is is really going to be the biggest thing here. And this is a team that hasn't appeared in the playoffs since the uh, 2005-06 campaign. That's been a long 10 years for them. And I think if they can shore up some of their their scoring from the defensive position, uh, they'll be a solid playoff team. They've got enough young talent at forward that I think they could package up Ryan Nugent Hopkins in some sort of trade uh, for for a defenseman. Yeah, I think that's a guy that I would be targeting too. A big contract though, but you wonder if one of these other teams with cap space wants to build around him and really give him a chance to be the number one guy there. He's not going to get it in Edmonton. That's a guy that I would target as well if I was on the low end looking for a guy who could really bolster my club and uh, pick away at what Edmonton might need to help elsewhere. So uh, that takes us down to the next club on the list. That's Florida, a team that's really gone south a lot farther than than I expected. They're to the point where I think they're sellers and guys like Keith Yandel and Jason Demers not delivering the goods. Their contracts may become issues before too long if they haven't already. They've got a lot of money tied up in those guys. The big name that's probably on the move is going to be Yarmir Yager. It seems like he is... Uh, open to to going to a contender and they may be also in a position to move a defenseman kindle uh as we mentioned with some of the other teams there's a lot of teams that will be looking for defensive help maybe they market market uh that possibility as well yeah i agree with both of those guys you highlighted paul uh i think you know james reamer's got a, a pretty big price tag uh and so i i don't see them being able to to sh- uh, shed him uh, he's 3.4 million, so that's just a little bit too much, even for a team like, say, Dallas that could use uh, uh, some goaltending improvement. So I definitely think Yager could be on the move. Uh, one other player that won't cost teams a lot that they could probably get some really solid return on is going to be Jonathan Marchessault. Now I know they just brought him in, but he's only at 750,000 a year. He's got just two years left on his deal. Uh, so that's one player that other teams could target and maybe the if the price is right they'd be willing to pull the trigger in los angeles this team is fifth in the pacific uh i think they could be buyers but they're limited by the cap issues that they do have they could trade one of their two goalies that's holding the fort right now depending on the timing of jonathan quick's return or a d-man for some help up front they really need help among the offense i think and uh, maybe maybe the strength of their net minding situation gives them that flexibility because they certainly don't have dollars to spend here i don't think well and i agree that they are buyers but i think the problem is they could use pretty much everything other than goaltending at this point i mean a top six forward some help defensively both from just a shoring up the defense to a, a blue line scoring kind of situation there's so much help that this team could need uh, in order to hang on until Jonathan Quick returns. But if they can manage it and figure out what uh, pieces they need, you know, getting back Jonathan Quick, I think, instantly makes them a playoff contender. And I like the call there, Paul, about uh, trading off either one of those backup net miners. Both of them are, you know, towards the back halves of their career. So, uh, you know, not necessarily guys of the future that they're looking to hold on. That guy's Jonathan Quick. And so, yeah, that's a great call there, Paul. Yeah, Minnesota's first in the Central. This team is hopeful of a long run. I see that they're buyers, and they could bolster the third-line center spot. But really, other than that, 
I like this team a lot. I don't think they have too many holes, in my opinion, AJ. I absolutely agree. They look a lot like Columbus as well when you look at their contract situation. Uh, they don't have a ton of unrestricted free agents, a handful of restricted, but that at least g- gives you options with those guys. And I agree with your uh, position there on, on a little bit of forward depth on the third line, maybe a fifth or sixth uh, defenseman, somebody who's maybe been through it before, uh, you know, a grizzled veteran that can maybe, uh, you know, help settle down any of those playoff nerves. Montreal's first in the Atlantic. Uh, they look like the class of the division, but the, certainly Ottawa's closing the ranks on them, and then the Leafs get hot, they can make like miserable too. So I think the Canadians need to be buyers here. They are looking for offensive depth, I think. They have to be a little bit concerned about the health of David Arnay, who is looking like he'll be back in the lineup, but he was on LTR for a long while. And Markov on defense, uh, to me, they've tied up a lot of money in this guy for a long time, and, and I, I think he's one of the most overrated players in hockey, I, I have to say, because in the second half of the last couple of years, he's looked like a windmill uh, defensively, but uh, he's given them some offense, and I think that the, they, need, they need to find more offense from the blue line and hope that he can hang on for the rest of the season, but I think that this team needs to get some more help on the blue line. Yeah, I I don't expect them actually to make a a lot of significant moves. I think if they do, it'll be similar to the smaller deal, like bringing in uh, Nikita Nesterov. The thing is, they just need to get healthy. I mean, that's been the biggest thing that could trip them up. They've got a number of guys uh, on IR. And so if they can get those guys back, they've got, you know, the pieces there. Uh, So I think maybe just some short term, smaller deals to shore up uh, in the short term. And we'll see what they do with Alex Radulov. This guy's certainly done enough to to market himself in the offseason. He's a pending UFA who signed for $5.7 million this year. He he might be in line for a raise and, and played awfully well. wonder if Montreal can fit him in and keep him happy. He's really enjoyed his time there, but uh, they they lose the contract of Markov. I think he's done at the end of this season. That 5.57, 5.75 million is coming off the books too. So some cla- cap flex- flexibility may be coming Montreal's way. And you wonder if Darnay will be returned. He's coming off a $3.5 million a year as well. Uh, we'll go to the next club, and that's going to be the Nashville Predators. Uh, they, they're third in the Central Division. I see that they're buyers, AJ, and I'd like to see them bolster themselves at the center position. Uh, they're pretty strong on the wings uh, but, and very solid on defense and in goal, I think. So helping out at the center position, maybe a third liner with some uh, veteran experience, I think would be a good, nice fit here in, in Nashville. I agree. I think Peke Rene is about the only reason that they have still been relevant this season. Their, their defensemen have the right names, have the right pedigree. They just have been a little bit lacking for whatever reason. Uh, Roman Yossi and P.K. Subban just haven't clicked this year. Um, hopefully they can straighten that out in the second half. And so to that end, I don't think they're going to be looking for any help on the defense. I think a top six guy uh, I really only uh, feel real good about their, their top line there. So, you know, a second liner and definitely a third liner. I think this is a team that probably needs to bring in two forwards uh, to really help uh, on the offensive zone. And then you wonder what they're going to do in the offseason with the likes of Mike Fisher and Mike Ribeiro, a pair of 36-year-old guys who are playing out UFA contracts, which, com- which average around $4 million a year. So they, they could shed $8 million and maybe upgrade elsewhere, but I think they retain one of them and let the other guy go in the offseason. 
Uh, next up, we're going to look at New Jersey. They're eighth in the Metropolitan Division. Guess what, folks? They're sellers. Uh, I look at the veterans like Fiddler, Parentoke, and Quincy, who should be on the move. There's no reason to keep these guys around with expiring contracts, and so they got to see what they can get for those fellas. Absolutely agree. I think one other player that I could see them uh, getting rid of that could be appealing to other teams is going to be Ben Lovejoy. They, they locked him up for a number of years, uh, just 2.6 uh, million for three years, but he's got the pedigree there to, to be a, uh, a solid defenseman that can add, you know, a Stanley cup winning mentality to, to a team that's making a run. And so I, I see him as on the move. I think they also are benefiting from having tested a lot of young defensemen uh, due to injuries earlier. So I think They've seen what they have, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they like what they have in guys like uh, Helgeson, uh, Santorini. And so I think that'll free them up to maybe move a, a Ben Lovejoy or, as you mentioned, uh, Kyle Quincy as well. Yeah, in terms of their cap situation, I just wonder how much money they have to spend here. They've got money tied up in a long-term IR with Mark Savard, who's coming off the books at $4 million. Ryan Kloh may be the only guy that remains. He's going to be on for $4.8 million next year as well. Uh, depending on that, they, they also have to peddle uh, Vernon Fiddler, like you said. Uh, I think getting rid of the UFAs might give them some an opportunity to pick up some prospects, and you wonder if, if they're going to continue with the rebuild and, and be a low-end cap team uh, rather than spending up uh, taking on other people's issues. Might give them more picks, too, so f- some flexibility may come their way. The New York Islanders, six in the Metropolitan Division. They're sellers, in my opinion. Uh, Kuhleman, Seidenberg, DeHaan, they're all pending RFAs, restricted free agents, so there's a bit of a, a hook there. But I think Kuhleman could be a useful guy to a t- contending team uh, this year. And then we got the specter of John Tavares next year, or uh, is his last year on the books. they got to re-sign him or move him, and they might move him uh, sooner rather than later. I think the biggest issue this team has when it comes to being sellers is that most of their expensive guys are uh, locked up at least through all of next season as yeah, well. Yeah. And, and no contract worse in my opinion than Andrew Ladd, who has 5.5 million for the next seven years. I mean, that guy has not produced anywhere near that type of number and getting rid of him is going to be nearly impossible. They might be begging Vegas to pick him <laughs> in the expansion draft. Um, but I do think it might be time for them to consider getting rid of Tavares given his production level 5.5 million is a steal whether a team can can afford that you know is a big question mark Um, but maybe if they retain a little bit of salary that could help them move him uh, and and uh, and there's certainly going to be suitors out there who are going to want him and we got to note that Thomas Grice did sign a three-year 10 million dollar deal yesterday so he's going to be their goalie of the future you think you have to leave and so at least they've solved that issue but the one other guy who could be on the move there is Dennis Seidberg on the blue line playing out a string as a UFA he's on the books for one million dollars a very cheap ad for a quality defenseman who has a Stanley Cup ring on his resume Let's go next to the New York Rangers. This is a team that uh, is fourth in the Metropolitan Division. They're definitely buyers, in my opinion, AJ. They uh, need a defense, a defenseman with an offensive upside. Can I whisper the name Shattenkirk out there? And maybe they'll deal from forward depth uh, uh, to get somebody to help them in that regard. Well, uh, I think St. Louis might actually be willing to take a look. I don't know that they're in love with their goaltending situation. Maybe they're willing to take a look at Antti Ranta. And that's a player that I think the Rangers could sell to, to shore up some of their holes. Uh, he's 
under contract for just a million a year. He is under contract for next season as well. But if they don't, that's another guy that Vegas could be eyeing up. Uh, and so that kind of specter looming over this uh, trade deadline, we've mentioned it a number of times, but I think it's it's a significant impact of what teams are going to decide to do at the trade deadline just because it's one more situation where they could lose a guy next year, uh, even if they're short or even if they're locked into a contract for next season. And anti Ranta is definitely going to be on their radar. We've talked about the Senators earlier with their first deal that they made. They're second in the Atlantic Division. I see them as buyers, but uh, they, they're limited because of the fact they've got a couple of tough contracts on the books. They spent too much money for Dion Phaneuf, and Bobby Ryan as well might fall into that category. This is a team that I think could deal a goalie for some forward help. Uh, I see that as a possibility. I would absolutely agree there. I think what's mind-boggling is that Dion Phaneuf is actually making more money than Eric Carlson, which just doesn't seem right. They, they should require Phaneuf to give that extra $500,000 to Carlson, given their production levels. Um, but I think what you've mentioned for goalies is definitely going to be the case. You know, Mike Condon has really shown what he can do. He is an unrestricted free agent next season and a steal at uh, $565,000, given his uh you know, level of performance this season. Once they can for sure know that Craig Anderson is back, Condon is probably the more likely to, to head out. Although Andrew Hammond is just 1.35 uh, million a year and has just one more year under contract after this season. So either one of those guys could be on the trade block. And the key there is that they'd still be able to dangle one of those guys in the draft for Vegas. So they're, they're strong in goal, but uh, they could certainly afford to deal one of the three guys right now. Philadelphia, this is a team in fifth place in the Metropolitan Division. I called them on the fence, AJ. Uh, they certainly need help on defense, uh, at least down the road, because Delzato and Strite are pending UFAs, both near the end of the line in terms of their careers. And uh, I know you agree with me on that defensive call. Absolutely. And that's somewhat surprising to me, given uh, everything we saw with Goss Despair last year. I didn't think we'd be talking about concerns with the Flyers defense. And, you know, part of the reason they're going to need to consider parting ways with Strite or Delgado is that Goss Despair is going to be a restricted free agent. You have to imagine he's going to get an offer from another team that's going to have force the Flyers to pay up a little bit more for him. Uh, so I definitely think uh, they're going to be in the buyer category. Uh, because they're trying to stay ahead of your Leafs uh, and maintain that, that wild card spot. What about the next team on the list? It's Pittsburgh Penguins. They're a perfect squad, aren't they, AJ? Third in the yeah, <laughs> not much to complain about. Team looks great. <laughs> Third in the Metropolitan <laughs> Division. I think they're still buyers. I'm going to ask you, what do you do with Oli Matta, though? This guy has not lived up to expectations. I think they need to get help on the blue line because they've got to be concerned with the uh, iffy health status of a guy like Chris Letang. That's the only weakness that I see here. I would agree, and I think this will boil down to them getting whatever they can from Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I don't want to see him go. I'm emotionally attached to him, having been our goaltender for so long. But the fact of the matter is they're not going to open up Matt Murray to being potentially taken by Vegas. And Flurry has the no movement clause in his contract. So they almost have to protect. Uh, I think they do actually have to protect him uh, from the draft. And you can't protect two goalies. So I think it's going to force them to move on from the flower. And I think they'll take whatever they can get for him, preferably defense. But I, I like what they have there on the blue line. I I'm not totally concerned especially when you have Crosby Malkin Kessel guys that can score and make up for any deficiencies from the blue line so they'll take whatever they can get 
and go from there. Yeah, I think if they can shed the goalie contract, then they're going to be in a position to deal with contract issues. They're not going to have too many cap situations, I don't think. Chris Kunitz comes off the books at a $3.8 million cap hit. Nick Bonino's a guy that's going to have to get paid. He's got an expiring 1.9 deal. He's done enough to stick around there, I think, uh, anchoring that third line that's been very popular at playoff time, as you know, and very productive. And uh, so that's where I need that. I think they need help there. On the blue line, Trevor Daly's done enough, in my opinion, to uh, merit a new contract. He's coming off an th- uh, expiring $3.3 million deal. So the money that they save on the flower will certainly be put to use immediately to sign some of the guys that they need to retain in the offseason. San Jose Sharks, they're first in the Central, as, and I list them as buyers, AJ. Is this the swan song for Jumbo Joe and Patrick Marlowe? They're both on the books for big money, but expiring deals. They need more offense behind these guys in any case. Yeah, and I think some of that offense needs to come from the blue line which is surprising to say about the Sharks team, but outside of Brent Burns, they're really getting next to nothing in terms of scoring. Uh, So some help there would certainly uh, be in the offing if they want to make another deep run. But I I think they could also use, you know, maybe a third or fourth line guy. They seem happy with what they have considering they traded away Tommy Wingles. Um, But I think they could use a little bit help there as well. Yeah, other than the two big guns uh, expiring deals, I don't think there's any contract issues of any consequence here in San Jose. Over in St. Louis, they're fourth in the Central Division. I call this team on the fence, and I don't think they have a lot of wiggle room. They may stand pat at the trade deadline or maybe sell Shattenkirk to the highest bidder uh, as a move to just uh, rid themselves of that headache that's coming, whether they want to see it short-term or long-term. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be Shattenkirk if they decide to to sell. Uh, I think if they do want to buy, uh, there are certainly uh, some spots that they need to fill, mostly due to depth. I, I don't think they've got a ton of really talent uh, behind their top two lines there, so they could use some additional depth in that spot as well. But yeah, Shattenkirk's going to be the linchpin, what they decide to do with him. And I agree, maybe just trade him off now so you can let uh, somebody else deal with the headache of trying to figure out how to pay him. And then the other name that's coming off the books is Patrick Berglund. He's a depth forward that they're paying $3.7 million. I think that's money that can be spent more wisely elsewhere. And another nine hundred grand coming off for Scotty Upshaw, who's nothing more than a fourth-line forward at this stage in his career. So uh, some money is definitely coming off the books for San Jose. I look for them to be a player in free agency if they don't re-up uh, their top two guys, the uh, name guys that we know. Uh, let's move over to to uh, the next team on the list, and that would be the Tampa Lightning. They're sixth in the Atlantic. I list them as sellers, AJ. I don't think they have any wiggle room until they deal Brian Bishop in goal. Uh, they have more free agent headaches coming this summer uh, all over the board here. So this is a team that's going to put Steve Eisman to work the rest of the way. Yeah, and two of those headaches you mentioned are going to be Tyler Johnson and Andre Pilat, both restricted free agents at the end of the season. And you have to imagine uh, somebody's going to want to offer them a, a significant deal. Both those guys are going to want to get paid as well, given what they've done for this team in, in not only the regular season, but the postseason as well. And I, I think it comes down to whether or not they think Vasilevsky is the, the answer and goal. They're they're committed to him as, as far as contract goes. After this season, he'll start making $3.5 million for the next three. So I have to imagine that they think he's going to be the netminder of the future. And Bishop uh, is going to have to go. I think they'll have to work out something where they retain a little bit of salary this season uh, because his cap hit is, is just under a $6 million. 
And we'll go next to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're fourth in the Atlantic Division. Third if you go by win percentage, though. Uh, they're buyers, definitely, <laughs> AJ. Uh, they need clearly to upgrade the defense. They've got a lot of youth up front and a couple of forwards who might be attractive if they should make the likes of Bozak and Van Riemsdyk available at the trade deadline. But I think they don't do that. They insulate their youngsters. Uh, so I, I could almost see this, this team standing pat unless they get the chance to upgrade uh, to get that top four defenseman with, a, with an affordable deal. Yeah, Paul, I couldn't agree with you more on this team. I think blue line scoring is definitely the the need here. Jake Gardner has just 23 points as their leading defensive scorer, so they need some more help there. But their top three lines are solid. You look at their draft picks for next season, they're pretty well situated. I mean, they've got three second-round picks uh, next year, so they're not really in the market for picks. I I think what it boils down to is they're buyers because this season is a bonus. Uh, The team, I think, was expecting to rebuild longer than they have been, and they're performing better than than expected this year. Uh, So they're kind of uh, a team that, as you mentioned, could just stand pat and just take what they have and continue the rebuild process heading into next season. Yeah, there's a lot of dead money in the miners that comes off the books, but this this organization prints money uh, in the back offices so not an issue there and they're going to have some flexibility on the blue line because the likes of Robida who's uh, on the long-term IR his money's coming off the books Roman Polak as well and Matt Hunwick a guy who's been a very the last two guys been very serviceable additions but that's about six and a half million dollars that's coming off the books that will be used for younger legs at the blue line level and uh, maybe position them for a big name addition to bolster their top four in Toronto after that we'll move on to Vancouver another Canadian team sixth in the Pacific Uh, they're sellers I think they're getting close to a playoff spot but really that's not what this season uh, was looking like at the beginning Uh, this too is a bit of a bonus what they're giving their fans but I think they got to look at moving some pieces that they can Uh, and uh, the big name that I see is moving Alex Burroughs this guy has been has played on anywhere from the first line to the fourth line in Vancouver and is a very physical guy who has an offensive touch I think they can get something for him but really this club's not going to go in any direction until the Sedin's contracts expire at the end of next season yeah, I agree. The rebuild for the Canucks starts in the 2018-19 season after they get rid of those big deals. I mean, the Sedins are on the hook for $7 million apiece. Let's not forget they're paying Ryan Miller $6 million this year. He, fortunately for them, comes off the books next season. They can either stick with Markstrom or go in a different direction. I, I do agree. I think everything, including the kitchen sink, should be <laughs> up for sale here. Uh, but the, the question is going to come down to what other teams even want. Uh, you know, maybe they would look like a, look at a guy like Bo Horvat, but again, he's only 21 on an entry level contract. I doubt they want to get rid of him. So I think, yeah, Alexander Burroughs makes the most sense here. Although uh, some other pieces would would be helpful. I'm not sure if he'll garner a big enough price tag to really help with the rebuild long term. All right, and let's go on to the next club. We're getting near the end of this list, AJ, and we're going to go to the Washington Capitals. They're first in the Metropolitan Division. I see them as buyers, and I'd like to see them bolster that third forward line. Absolutely. I'm in the the same spot you are with them. Uh, I do think a little bit of uh, blue line scoring could help, but as I'm sure our listeners have noted uh, so far, We've talked about that the entire pod. It's it's certainly hard to come by. There's not a ton of uh, players out there that can do that. Um, but yeah, some some 
additional forward depth and some blue line scoring much like a lot of the other teams in the league yeah and i don't know about their cap situation being uh, uh too much of a problem one way or the other they're they're kind of in a stand pat mode uh, contracts that we might see moved uh, at the end of the season tj oshi Justin Williams and Daniel Winnick, they're all coming off the books for about $10 million. And they might like to try and bring Oshie back, but he's a guy that should be tra- testing free agency, in my opinion. A guy who should be a top six forward and in demand in the offseason. But Justin Williams and, and Daniel Winnick, they're certainly not going to get that kind of money again. So the Caps have some opportunity to spend a little more wisely on some youth. Kyle Alsner on the blue line is $2.8 million. I think they might like to re-up him as a solid defensive defenseman who's still got some time in his uh, hopefully long career if he continues to stay healthy but a good guy to have and that back end uh, kind of a shutdown defenseman with with a real good history there and then the final team in our 30 30 team sweep is the winnipeg jets i look at them as sellers they're six in the central division right now and i think they could deal a goalie because they got three guys in that rotation now and and uh, on defense uh, jacob truba or uh, to- toby enstrom must go in my opinion so they've got some pieces that need to be dealt here and we'll see what they can get from in my opinion they're sellers i agree uh, i i think they're right on the cusp but the, what they need to kind of get over the hump here is going to be a little bit too much to get at the trade deadline. And one guy uh, I think they definitely should consider moving is Drew Stafford once he's cleared from IR. 4.35 million hit. He's yeah. a free agent next season, and he just has not lived up to his billing. Uh, he's been a little bit of a disappointment. And of those goaltenders, I think uh, Andre Pavlosek uh, is the one that's going to move. They've been paying him 3.9 million after he spent most of the season in the AHL. So clearly they're not sold on him being the goaltender of the future. And so that makes him expendable as well. Uh, they'll probably lose him at the end of the year uh, because I don't think he's going to re-sign with him just because they did send him down to the minors. No, that's right. And this is a guy, I think they got to play the ass off this guy the rest of the way, AJ, <laughs> be honest, honest with you and be very blunt to see what they can get. If he's marketable, they got to play him every game they can in the month of, of February uh, just to up his trade value. Because as you said, that $3.9 million is coming off the books and they're going to hitch their uh, cart to either Hutchison or Hellybuck going forward maybe dangling one of them uh, to Las Vegas, but they got to decide between those other two guys. Probably the t- decision's already been made. So Pavlik has to be the guy that sees the ice mostly in February just to see what they can get for him. And you're right, Stafford is the, the contract that's expiring. If he can get back in, in the lineup and play a little bit, that would increase his marketability. Otherwise, that's going to be money that just comes off the books for nothing at the end of the year. That would be a shame. That takes us through our 30-team swing uh, in terms of the first uh, kick at the cat in terms of trade situations. We'll be picking away at this for the next few weeks as well with other angles uh, relative to the trade deadline and hope you stick with us. But now we'll turn our attention to the 14-game slate, AJ. Go through tonight's games before we build our lineups. Uh, I'll take us through the first seven games. We've got Washington at the the Islanders, 7 o'clock start. We've got Columbus at the Rangers. Nashville at Pittsburgh. The first game with a line is Philadelphia at Carolina, where the Hurricanes are minus 130, and the over-under is 5.5. We got Buffalo at Montreal at 7.30. We got New Jersey at Detroit, with Detroit a favorite at a minus 135, and the over-under is 5. And then Boston visits Tampa Bay. What about the rest of the skid? Yeah, so continuing the 7.30 games, Ottawa travels to Florida with the Panthers minus 115 with a 5.5 over-under. The Jets head to St. Louis. Uh, The Blues are favored, minus 145, 5.5 on the over-under there. Your Leafs head down to Big D 
uh, and will face the Stars, who are favored minus 120 with a 5.5 over-under. Minnesota heads to Edmonton. Have to imagine the Wild are the favorite there. The Kings are at uh, down in the desert at Arizona against the Coyotes. Colorado uh, travels to Anaheim with the biggest uh, difference here. The Ducks are minus 290. Uh, so definitely a team you might want to look at as far as goaltenders or even uh, some scoring there. They're a five over under. And then I think the most intriguing game of the night is our last one with a 1030 start. The Blackhawks are in San Jose to face off against the Sharks. Well, let's build our lineups then as we do every week. AJ, who do you have at center tonight? So I'm going to kick it off with uh, my guy, Sid the Kid, for 9,100. Shock as, uh, and surprise. Shock and surprise. <laughs> well, you, you, you gave me a hard time for, for not talking about the Penguins enough on Thursday. <laughs> so I'm going to do it tonight. Uh, definitely be stacking those guys against Nashville. Uh, the Penguins are at home. They enjoy playing in front of their fans. So Sid the Kid for 9,100. And then on the flip side, uh, Darren Helm for 3,700. So going high-low in my center's. Uh, as we said, Detroit is favored tonight against uh, uh, against the Devils, so a nice, solid matchup there for them as well. Uh, down the middle of your lineup, Paul. I've got Ryan Getzlaff looking at that lopsided spread that you hinted at. This is an opportunity for him and the Ducks to feast at home against the visiting Colorado club that really has nothing left to play for the rest of the season, in my opinion, uh, other than auditioning some of their younger players, maybe some of their older ones for the trade deadline. And I'll pair him up with Miko Koivu, whose team, the Wild, is visiting Edmonton. That could be a real shootout. But Minnesota plays a very disciplined game, and Koivu probably exemplifies that better than most. And he's on a real nice scoring tear. And that's uh, a really favorable value at $6,500. One of the better value plays, I think, in terms of what he's doing versus his price point on tonight's uh, four center board. You got four wingers for me, pal? I do. And I'm going to kick it off with the left and right of Sidney Crosby. Connor Sheary at 6000 and Brian Rust at 4800 uh, As I said, I think this matchup is going to be a good one. So I'm stacking my Penguins. Uh, another team I'm stacking is your Maple Leafs, actually. So this is a, an all-homer lineup, apparently. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to stack them. They, they are on the road. We mentioned that Dallas is favored, but the goaltending situation there is questionable. So I think uh, taking advantage of some of their forwards uh, could help you get uh, some points on the board. So I'm going with William Nylander at 5,500 and Connor Brown at 5,200. I'm gonna, uh, your wingers, Paul. I've got four guys in the value range between five and $6,000. So saving some money here and getting some guys that are on good streaks. Gabrick finally got off the schneid. I know you were watching him very closely to see when he would snap that long scoreless drought. He has, and he's done it in style. He's been pretty much a point-per-game player in the last couple of weeks. And uh, he's at $5,000. I agree with your call on Willie Nylander. He's been the best Maple Leaf. Uh, coming into the all-star break playing some energized hockey particularly on the road where it would have been easy for some of these young guys to shy away he stuck his nose in there even against philadelphia like the way he played there and he's just given it his all and i like the fact that he's found his niche on a on a third scoring line with the leafs that uh, they're all three interchangeable they're the top three lines anyway so he's going to get some power play time good value at 5500 Another guy that I really like in Minnesota is Nino Niederreiter, who has cemented his place as a top six 
forward, and he's still not being recognized for, I think, being the talent that he is. Only priced at $5,600. He's on a scoring tear right now, too. And then in Los Angeles, they've got one really good scoring line. That's built around Jeff Carter. And uh, Tanner Pearson's on one of those wings at $5,800. He's finding the twine with regularity of late and also a part of that scoring surge that really is a a one-line offense right now, and he's on it. Two defensemen for me, AJ. Yeah, so my fourth and final Penguin is going to be Justin Schultz at 6200 uh, I like his uh, matchup tonight, even though there's a chance that Latang could be back in the lineup. I think Schultz is still going to see power play time uh, on either the first alongside Latang or on the second. And then uh, Ryan Suter as Minnesota traveled to Edmonton. Uh, we've talked about how dominant this team has been all season, and a lot of that starts with him. He's just 5,900, so not a huge discount, um, but cheap enough compared to some of your top options. Uh, Paul, your blue line. Well, I went to guys that you might look for in tournament play tonight too, AJ, and that's Jake Gardner of Toronto, my first and only Maple Leaf on this list. So I come in with a big less, mistake. Two, actually, second <laughs> Leaf. Uh, I, I tied you. We got two each. So so uh, Gardner's my second guy, $4,700. He's the anchor on the power play, and, and that power play could see a lot of time against a suspect defensive scheme in Dallas and suspect goaltending that goaltending that you've highlighted all year long my friend so i like aj uh, aj jake gardner in there for 4700 bucks and i'll pair him with dimitri orlov who has moved up in in class only because of the status of john carlson who's been iffy with injury issues of late so i like the fact that orlov is a buy at 4900 dollars for a dynamic capitals team against a very ordinary islanders squad even though the islanders are hosting in goal what have you got for me so I'm basically just going to take the matchup here. I like the LA Kings traveling to Arizona. So right now I've got Peter Budai for 8,300. Uh, if they switch the goaltender, I will uh, switch over uh, to Zakoff uh, and change my lineup in that sense. But I like the matchup regardless of which one is in net. And Paul, I think you're taking advantage of that money line in your goal, huh? Yeah, I am. No question. John Gibson at $9,300. I managed to fit him in. And uh, it's not confirmed yet uh, whether he's starting or not, at least from my information. But even if he's not, I'd happily put in Jonathan Bernier and then go for some bigger money up front uh, to bolster my offense. So uh, it's really a no-lose situation for me. I think Anaheim wins this game, and you better be on their goalie tonight. Uh, AJ, that brings us to the point where we want to see what the uh, Rotowire Optimizer is. This is a, one of the best tools in all of sports uh, in the fantasy industry. Uh, great invention by our, our buddies at Rotowire. Can you tell our listeners a bit about it and run through tonight's Optimizer picks, please? Yeah, so I want to highlight uh, one aspect of the Optimizer we haven't talked about in the past. Uh, there's a uh, filters and projection system button that uh, shows up just ahead of the on top of the player pool. And uh, it allows you to kind of limit, uh, you know, some guys. You can decide if you don't want any underdogs. You can take money lines that are only in the minus. Uh, a couple salary filters as well if you want to spend lower. Um, but one that I really want to highlight is even strength line filter and power play line filter. So I adjusted both of those so that we're only getting guys who are playing on the top three lines and are on one of the top two power play uh, lines. So. Uh, by setting those filters and uh, refreshing my lineup optimizer, it came up with the following. Uh, the lineup optimizer is favoring my Penguins tonight. So Sidney Crosby, they've got for 9,100. Uh, and they've got Michael Scarabosa of the Florida Panthers going up against Ottawa for 3,200. 
And then on the wings, a uh, bit of a high low for them here. Alexander Ovechkin for 9000 along with Patrick Laine of the Jets uh, for 7300 Never a bad call, in my opinion. Uh, and then it goes back to Pittsburgh with Jake Gunsel on the second line. Looks like he'll be second line power play as well for 4000 And then finally, Joel Armia on the wings for Winnipeg. A third line player, but second line power play option for just 3300 uh, and then in goal, it goes back to the well for Winnipeg, really favoring that matchup as well with Dustin Bufflin at uh, 6,500. And then Chad Ruedel, uh for Pittsburgh, who looks like he'll be in that third line pairing on the second power play for just 3,300. Uh, and then finally, the optimizer goes back to Pittsburgh in goal with Matt Murray, who is 9,300, just expected tonight, has not been locked in yet. So there's still a chance that Flurry would get the start there. Uh, definitely something to check back on later in the day. Folks, there's no truth to the rumor that AJ ran the Roadwire Optimizer independently today. <laughs> so this was totally independently done by a group of guys, I'll say, not independently at all. Uh, so AJ, uh, you must be having fun with looking at all those flyer names. I hope they come through for you. Uh, it brings us to a reminder to join us on Thursdays when we take a look, a fuller look at lineup options in the D- NHL version of the DFS pods that Rotowire puts out every day for all sports. We cover NBA DFS on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday each week as well. Uh, brings us to the stud of the week, AJ, and I'm going to give a nod to a guy who was front and center in the All-Star game and also front and center in a game that I watched closely last week. Wayne Simmons was the first star in the NHL, and he is an interesting pick at an interesting time because we got to recognize the fact that he's a, he's a, a black player. He's a, a really good kid, a Car- Scarborough native, and, and diversity is front and center these days. I don't care for skin color. It's not an issue for me at all. I know you feel the same way, but there are many people in this world, sadly, who still uh, make it an issue, and I, I think it's a shame. This guy, though, is front and center as a poster boy for uh, the diversity in the NHL, uh, the number of countries of origin. There's uh, many countries represented in the rosters at the All-Star Game, and I think it's great that the NHL promotes these guys just for what they are, hockey players and people, and that's a real good message to the world at large. Yeah, the only knock on, on Wayne Simmons you'll hear out of me has to do with the logo on the front of his jersey as a flyer. Uh, and it's hard to argue against him as the all-star MVP, uh, you know, being the stud of the week. Although I will quickly note that he did get blown out in the fastest skater competition. Uh, so not all roses for him this weekend. Exactly. Uh, what about this, the rant of the week? I'm going to go back to what we talked about last week, AJ, and uh, talk about the slew foot. Uh, par- call it slew foot part two. I can't believe that Brad Marchand was only fined $10,000 and note that he's been suspended in the past. Uh, so as a repeat offender, I thought that he'd get, get a couple of games at least. I mean, look, this guy's got great skills, but if you watch him closely, he picks on the softest players all the time, game in, game out, and dishes out the sneak attack every chance he gets. The only way you stop a guy from pulling that crap is to suspend him when you have that chance. Well, the NHL had the chance, a glaring opportunity, and simply blew it. I can't tell you on the air how I'd like to see cheap shot punks dealt with, AJ, but Marshawn really got away with one here. 
Yeah, what confuses me most is is some of the things you highlighted. He's considered a re- repeat offender. They held a hearing with him, albeit over the phone, and I think it's just astonishing that it, they let him get off without a suspension. You know, apparently the NHL is not as concerned about the flu, slew foot and potential concussions that could result as we are, Paul. Well, so there we are, a couple of uh, emotionally laced uh stud and rant of the week uh, you know i feel very strongly about both of them i know you do too aj and uh well that wraps up this week's podcast with statsman and aj remember to send your comments or questions to twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj schultz 24 we ask you to look out for podcast hockey pod every week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest so long everybody So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.